talking a while back and I was explaining to him how overrated this life on earth that we live in. And uh, I told him that I was going to kind of expound on it, but I need a little help. I'm going to ask my little thing. Uh, And I asked him because he's a pretty quick wit young man and I told him I was going to ask him some questions. Get up, grab the mic and sit and get turned on for And uh, just to give you an example of where I'm coming from. Now, brother, how you doing? I'm I'm Charles Brown. I'm Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Now, yeah, that was quick. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you look like a bright young man. I bet you're still in school. You're in college tomorrow. Sure, for the purpose of this message, yes, I am. I ask you to answer the question like you would of somebody in the world, you know, that you don't have to apologize or, or, or like that for the sake of this message, you know. Okay? Yes. Because you're not lying, you're doing what I ask you. Now, so uh, what's your major? What you studying in school? Um, philosophy. Philosophy? <laughs> well, you know, have you ever thought about. Where you're gonna be, you know what what you want to do with yourself, and when you get out of school, probably just get a job in that field. Well, that's not a quick way to the thought, but you're doing good. Okay, but so so you get a job, you know, you plan on settling down, you know, maybe have a family or something one day. What, what's your plan? You ever thought that before? Yes, sir, I have. Uh, plan on having a family and a, a couple of kids uh, in the next. Ten years or so. Okay. Well, that, that's a great plan. You know, that's a American dream. You know, you, you, you. Well, what after that? After that, what? Come. You know, you have a couple in the forever. Huh? How many kids you have? What they're going to look like? No, sir. I haven't given any thought to that. Well, well, think about it. What happens after that? When you have kids, what, what's the next thing in your life that occurs? They're going to grow up, I'm sure. You think they'll go to college? I'd like them to. Okay. And after that, after they get out of school, then what happens? What happens in your life? Retirement. Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> now we made it almost to the place I'm at. Okay. But we're going to go further. Retirement. Where would you like to retire? The Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> 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 okay, you retired. You got kids. By this time, you got grandkids, right? Yes. <laughs> That's the right answer. You're doing good. <laughs> but what happens after that? After you retire. What do you think happens in your life? Not much. <laughs> now that's not the right answer. <laughs> well, what happened? What happened? You like you just live out? What do you think happened? No, probably collect some stamps and then die. 
Now this next question is the question I've been trying to get to all along. Then what? You can, you can go. Okay. <laughs> I kind of put him on the spot. But you see where I left going with this? Then what? What if we lived our whole life and we gained the whole world but we lose ourselves? Then what? You know, if you measure your prosperity by the standards of this world, Amy Warehouse did pretty good. But then what? <clears throat> you know, this is really a prosperity message. They don't preach prosperity around here a whole lot. Well, um, Although I did talk to someone with uh, Brother Eric before, I bring that up. But I want to give you a definition of prosperity, and those of you that take notes, I'm going to write this down. Prosperity is the multiplying of God's investment in you. Prosperity is the multiplying. Of God's investment in you. And that's the title of this message tonight. It's God's investment in you. You know, we make plans, as we demonstrated here all day. We make plans based on what? We make plans for our life based on the standards of this world and um, circumstances that's around us. You know, when we should be making our standards and our preparation for where we ought to be in God's right? <clears throat> In Matthew 6, we're going to start 31 and it says, I'll read this for you, it says, So do not worry, saying, what shall you eat? What shall you drink? Or what shall you wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of <clears throat> But we are too. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given unto you as well. You know, <clears throat> it'd be a sad thing for someone to be, to have the Word of God and them to be born again, to have talents and gifting of God, and never in their walk your own life achieve even close to what God has in store for them to do here. Because we have a tendency to to look at the things and the circumstances around us, and that's where we aim our goal. We kind of shoot in the dark, you know? <clears throat> well, I'm going to show you a short video here. And you, you'll be able to see, you'll be able to see 
what I'm talking about. How many of you ever watch American Got Talent? Anybody ever watch that? I'm not kidding. And, um, <clears throat> you know, during the uh, uh, audition stage, uh, they have some mighty weird characters on this show, right? Yeah. You know? And, and it looks like you can just peg them. You can just pick, pick them out. I had to come up, you know, uh, no, no, no. Okay. Well, you watch this. This was in 2009. Tomorrow, never 
Catching country boy, but God saw Kevin as a country boy with a million dollar gift. And that's what he said in each one of us. God wants us to live our life as though we have that gift, that million dollar gift. And it's more than a million dollar gift, you can't put a price on it. With God, the blessings of God. Amen. Right? <clears throat> now, let me get my thoughts back together. Thank you. We, I'm, I'm going to share a parable with you, and it's a Charlie Brown parable. <laughs> and I shared this many times over the years. And it's our life. You know, when we lived in Chicago. We lived about a half a block from the main street, Clark Street. And down that street was hundreds of storefronts. You know, we think of this as a storefront church, and it is, but it's different in, the, in that part of it. It may be like downtown, it's like downtown Houston, too. And <clears throat> all along there, there's hundreds of little shops and stores and grocery stores and doctor's offices and all that. And, and all of these little storefronts, they, they put their most prized possessions in the showcase. In the, in the show, in the window, if you walk by. Because hundreds of people every day walk right by those shops. 
And so, <clears throat> our life is like a storm. You know, we've tried to make this business go for years and years. We tried on our own. We've uh, we've taken things that we thought were most important to us and we put that in the showcase because that's what we want everybody to see. We arrange our store the way we think, according to the world that's around us, that we think that they would like. It's the way we do. But although we tried for many, many years to make a go of it, but we just can't seem to get ahead in our business. And then one day, a man called Jesus came into our store. Oh yeah. Right? Yes he did. Now he came he came into our storefront. Now he didn't only want to be a partner in this business. Okay? He told us that he's already made a great investment for us. He just wanted us to trust in him. And he and and in order for him to take control of our business, we have to give him the, the majority of the percent of our business, portion of our business. And you know, when uh, you give somebody the control and interest of your business, sometimes that's kind of scary. Okay? And it's the things you got to let go of because you don't have control over them anymore, right? Well, you might as well let go of them. You never did too, too well with it before anyway. Right. right. <laughs> you weren't doing too good. But when he comes into your storefront, the first thing he does, you would think, was he would he would go and uh, he would put go straight to the uh, showcase room, but that's not what he does. He he'll kind of clean up the front of your store, the face, and kind of give it a new look, and people start to notice when they pass by. You know, kind of like Moses coming down off of here. You know, he had something different about him when he went up. But Jesus didn't just start in the showcase. No. He went in the storeroom. Now this was a place that you hid all the things that were broken in your life. This was a place that you may have had something that embarrassed you in your life before you hit it back here in the storeroom. It was, maybe it was a dream or talent that you had. But you never really developed it or dealt with it and you just put it in your storeroom. And the first thing Jesus did, he went back there and he found a talent, a gift a jewel. And he took this thing out and he cleaned it up. He polished it. And he put it in your, your showcase in your front window. Now, he owns the controlling interest of your store. And you know, things are looking up. Things start to prosper in your life. Spiritually, financially. <clears throat> You got a new job. Well, as this business begins to prosper, we have to remember that according to the scripture, <clears throat> seek ye first the kingdom of God 
And then all these things will be added unto you. So what does that tell us about? As we begin to prosper, the prosperity of the business belongs to the investor. We reap the benefits of the multiplying of God's investment in us. Yeah. You know, people try to cover or take credit for what God's doing in your life. That's like somebody went in a beauty pageant and said they had something to do. <laughs> God gave you that talent. Well, your dad, you know, you brother. Could have been your dad. Amen. I'm getting here somewhere with that. Um, turn with me in Matthew 25, start verse 17. I'm going to read the parable of talents. Verse 25, 14. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Um, and entrusted them with his, trusted them, entrusted his property to them. <clears throat> the one who gave five talents of money, another two talents of money, and another one talent of money, according to his ability. And that's going to be an important part of this message tonight, is our ability. Now, then he went on the journey. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Also, the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. <clears throat> After a long time, the master of those servants returned uh, and settled up accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought his five, brought five to earn five more. Oh, sorry, his master, and his master said, "You no." He said to his master, "He said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have given you five more. Gain five." His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put in your charge many things. And this is the benefit he reaped from that. He says, Come and share your master's happiness. Now, <clears throat> these guys were servants, as we are servants in the house of the master. They were servants. Oh, <laughs> they were servants in the house of the master, and so he, you know, he, he entrusted his his wealth to them. So they must have been more than just a slave. Okay, they were servants to the master, and we're called servants to the master. And he invested a talent in them, and uh, <clears throat> as that talent began to prosper. They didn't. They didn't covet the the the, the 
fine. If they could have kept the other five and gave them five back. No. They gave it to the master. And then they reaped the benefits of it. We shared when it happened. And the man with the two talents also came, Master. He said, you entrusted me with two talents. I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in few things, and I will put you in charge of me. So come and share in your master's happiness. Now this other fellow. Then the man who had received one talent came. Matthew, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is, so here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Come on. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. So, let, let, let's look at what the guy did. The master gave him, invested a talent in him. Right? Now, he said, now you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, you would have received it back in interest. Now that would have been lazy. Okay? That would have been lazy. But he was wicked because he took the, what God had, what the master had given him. Just like we take our light and hide, put it under a bushel and hide it under the bed. Because he took what the master had given and he hid it. Wow. <clears throat> now, how different is this from some of us? You know, there's several things, several times in our life God gives us something to do. According to myself. And we play it safe. Right? We might kind of do what God tells us to do. But we don't do like the first guy that said, let me see if I'll find the verse. <clears throat> the, the guy that, that he gave the first talent to, he took the money and he said, right away, he went out and put it to work. Sometimes that's where we mess up. Because we don't, we know what God tells us to do, but we don't do it right away. And so out of fear, or whatever it is, it's fear of incapabilities. It's fear of what somebody would say, I think, because we've measured ourselves as a chicken catcher. Right? God, I can't do that. <clears throat> and we become, whatever the, whatever the issue was, or the reason was, we become lazy. But this thing is telling us, if, even if it's, it's, it's fear, or something that keeps us from doing the perfect will of God, when we know what it is. <clears throat> We have to, if we're going to be used by God, we have to put ourselves in a situation where we could get hurt. 
we end up doing walking out the perfect will of God in our life. And we can look back at Gideon and tell about the guys. You know, Gideon, he was pretty bowed up when he had how many thousand? Thirty thousand? I'm bad. <clears throat> but when we we have to put a, put ourselves out in the situations, like for, for instance, and God tells you to speak to someone, I can't do that. You know, they might not like it. You know, they may not listen. Or God actually, like Joellen and I, we uh, our calling or gifting or whatever we call it, we, it mostly um, we take people in a lot of times, and uh, I'll keep up with you guys here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where some of it came from, because we've taken people in from all over the world. We have exchange students. But the thing is, if we had our talents here, they may leave worse than they were when they came. But they never have. They always knew where we stand with God, and they've always been closer to God. Now, some of them may not say that way. We did our part, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, we have to. Put our, allow ourselves to be in a com, uh, uncomfortable. Our work with God is going to be have to be uncomfortable if we're going to be used, right? We got to get out of our comfort zone. Yeah, That's right. Amen. You know, um. One of the unique things about our relationship with uh, Pastor Eric and Pastor Man is that um, I'm real familiar with the standards and the foundation that they teach you guys. And it's mainly because I was there when that foundation was put in their life and built that they built on. So with that said, I know that these guys have taught you that there are many shadows and types in the Old Testament. That the uh, New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And that the, <laughs> that the Old Testament and the New Testament revealed. It means Shadows and what they did, what they walked out in the flesh in the Old Testament, we walk out today in the spiritual life, in the spiritual world. Well, with that said, there's many shadows and types in the New Testament, but especially in the life that Jesus walked to. You know, the Bible tells us that the whole plan of salvation is written in it, is in His creation. And it's also written in most of the things that Jesus said, he spoke in parables and, and the actions and things that he did here on, here on earth. And uh, I'm going to jump a rabbit right here, but I'm going to let you guys chase it when you get home. In one of those stories, 
is in the uh, in John chapter two. And we're talking about the wedding of Cain. And did you know that most of the plan of God's salvation, the plan of God is in that in that story? Okay, now right I'm gonna I'm gonna point out one and you guys have to take it up from there, okay? Because this is the, the point that I'm trying to make is that in uh, John chapter 2 verse 6 it says at the wedding it says nearby stood six stone water jars. Now we know through the word through the teaching and study of the word that that we are called vessels of God. We are like these six stone water jars. Now <clears throat> it's no coincidence they had six, right? <clears throat> and that these jars was the kind used by Jews for ceremonies and worship or religious ceremonies but this is the point I'm trying to make is that each of them holding from 20 to 30 gallons now the point I'm trying to make is that we all have cause and we all may look the same on the outside but God gives to us just like he, he gave out the talents to those guys according to our ability. Right? And so he's going to, and, and that's a good thing because if everybody was a left foot, it all be left, had two left feet. You know, but, but everybody has a part and a calling in the family of God to be used by God. <clears throat> now, in Matthew 13, verse 8, he talked about the sowing of the seed, the parable. And he said, Still other seeds fell on good soil, where they produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. <clears throat> so we all have a specific call. And um, we all have a measure of faith that's invested in us too. But that God doesn't want us to stay there. That's what he was telling us in the power, uh, parable of the talents. If we're faithful in small things, he's going to add things to us and we can grow. Amen. When he makes that initial investment in us. Amen. Right? Uh, to each of your faith, we're talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good and pleasing and perfect will for by the grace given me I say to everyone to, of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to That's a dangerous thing. but rather think of yourself uh, with sober judgment in accordance 
with the measure of faith is given you. Um, just as each, in verse 4, it says, just as each has one body with many members, <clears throat> these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, uh, we who are many forms, one body, and each member belongs to one another. Now we have a tendency to forget that, don't we? We're talking about God's investment in you. And we're talking about that investment is not for you. Like Zig's message. Not about you. Right? That investment is to be used to further the kingdom of God, the king, the, the word of God for the king. Amen? Amen. So, to do the will of God, we have to endure to the end, right? Yes, yes. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is the trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we should also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us as well. Now, that's the kind of, uh, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. That's kind of oxymoron, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about if we live with him, we'll reign with him. No, no. We're talking about if we die, to ourselves. If we die to ourselves, we'll live with God and reign with God to do His will. I guess that's what I'm trying to, to, to get to tonight. Is that we have to build our lives not by the circumstances that are around us in our everyday life, but by the world, the Word of God, I'm talking, by the Word of God and the will of God. Because this world is way overrated, huh, man? <clears throat> but what happens when we hear the word of God, but because of our measure of faith, we've measured our faith and our standard of life by the world that's around us and the things that's happening around us, what happens? Well, let's talk about, let me tell you a little story here about <clears throat> and it's in 1st Kings chapter 17 we'll start in verse 6 no verse 3 and this is the time when Elijah you there <clears throat> let me get a swallow of water there you got the way too fast 
All right. Amen. All flesh. Verse 3. Now, it says, Leave there and turn eastward and hide in the crevice ravine. Is that right? Crevice? Sure. Correct. Correct. I've called it all my life. Ravine. East of the Jordan. And you will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord told him, and he went to Kareth Ravine in the east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, I've got that underline in my Bible that he ordered the ravens. They didn't have any problem listening to what he asked them to do. Well, let's read on a little further. Verse 7, it says, Sometimes later the brook dried up because there was, had, had been uh, no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sodom and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when, when he came to the town's gate, a widow was there gathering sticks and he called out to her now. Would you bring me a little jar of water so I might have a drink? Now she didn't have a problem with that. But she knew who it was. Because God already prepared her. God already told her that the man of God was coming. And God had already told her what he wanted her to do. Verse <clears throat> 11 says, and she was going to get it, and he called, and bring me uh, a piece of bread, please. I had it uh, Verse 11 says, as surely, she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread. Um, only a handful of flour in the jar, and a little oil in the jug. I am gathering sticks to take home and make a cake, uh, make a meal for myself and my son, and that we may eat and we may die. She knew the man of God was coming because God already told her that he was coming and she knew what God had told her to do. But her measure of faith was measured by what? Circumstances. By the circumstances and the things that were around her, the things that she could see in her life. And she had a problem with that. But we know about this story, so we don't need to read it that um, that God didn't let the, the jar of flour run out or the jug of oil run out until the rain came on the land. So when you step out in faith, now she needed a little encouragement, so 
Elijah helped her out there, gave her a little encouragement. When he prophesied the word of God, oh yeah, I can have it now. Right? He's got that million dollar gift. But what happens when we measure our faith by the word of God? Or what we heard and what we know, what God's invested in our lives. You see this in Mark 14, verse 13. So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jug of water um, will meet you. Follow him. And say to the owner of the house who enters, the teacher asks, where is the guest from? Where I am to eat my Passover with my disciples. <coughs> And he'll show you a large upper room furnished and ready and make preparation there. But when they went, what they found? They found exactly what God had already told them to God, already prepared. He said that you'd find an upper room already furnished on this path on. And in Luke 1930, he sends out again and he says, Go into the village ahead of you. And as you are in, you will, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ridden. Untie the colt there, and if anyone asks you, oh, while you're untied, tell him that the Lord has moved there. You see, folks, it's not just an accident that the guy was there with the water and the upper room was prepared. It's not just an accident that there was a cult tied up there. It was tied there because God, just like he told the widow, just like he commanded the ravens, and they were obedient to the word of God and act on the now you know, when we leave this earth, we won't leave but two things behind us when we leave. It won't be a song by God book. It'll be what we have allowed God to accomplish through us in this world. And what we have invested in our children. If that be your natural children or your spiritual children. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now, God has made a great investment in us. And now it's up to us to seek out His will and the talents He's invested in us. And imagine your life by the Word and the will of God. Now I ask you, are you going to measure yourself by the world? Are you going to be a chicken catching country boy? Are you not? Or are you going to be a country boy with a million dollar town? Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
Father God, we thank you for the investment you made in our life, Lord God, and the word that you, you've given us. Lord God, that you've given us to be a steward. Father God, these times. We pray that you use us and direct us to the fullness and to the gifts that you've invested in us and the direction that you have for our life, Lord God. We just, we just pray for your strength and your faith, Lord God, to stand up and to act out upon those words as we just go forth this week and this time in your holy name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.